Uh-huh. Yeah. Six Drive Against the Radio. What you thought it was? Uh-huh. I know that you've been told by how we go. It's Six Drive Against the Radio. So watch these ratings explode. I know that you've been told by how we go. It's Six Drive Against the Radio. So watch these ratings explode. You know what it do, it's your boy R.A.S. We'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Extravagance, the radio. Today we got my man James Cruz of Violator Management. We got an exclusive interview with him, man. He chopped it up with Extravagance, the radio. He's going to tell you all about what it's like to be a manager of some of the greatest hip-hop acts in this business. That's 50 Cent, that's Busta Rhymes, Pat Poos, and the list goes on and on, baby. All them fire cats that are playing on your radio. Check this out, man. You're going to enjoy this one. James Cruz, Extravagance the Radio. You know what it is. Hello. Hey, James. Yo, what's going on, John? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you for actually doing this, man. Oh, no problem. I'm sorry it took so long to pull it all together. Uh, it's all right. It's, I'm, I'm pretty persistent, so I hope you didn't mind me following I know, up. No, I respect that. I wouldn't expect anything less from someone who's an entrepreneur and professional. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, uh, th- thank you for making this. Uh, hopefully, it won't take much of your time. Uh, uh-huh. Just give, me, just give me one second. You got to put your hold for one second. Sure. And I'll be right back, okay? Okay. Excellent. Okay, I'm back. So so for starters, uh, you, you work for Violator, correct? Yeah, I'm James Cruz. I'm a partner um, for Violator Management. Okay. Um, I'm also the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Promotion. Okay. Um, I handle uh, the marketing and promotions for all of the Violator Managed Artists. And I am day-to-day responsible for 50 Cent and Buster Rhymes. Okay. So as, as someone who's overseeing big acts like that, uh-huh. um, you know, what, what's a day-to-day, uh, day-in-the-life activity of James Cruz as it relates to managing uh, 50s or Buster's career? Can you give us an it, example it, of some of the things you do? Well, it depends on, you know, one day it is. It could go from having a breakfast meeting in the morning with the, you know, the head of promotions for a record label in regards to the rollout of a single to you know reading you know five or six different treatments for videos to sitting back and 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 reviewing um magazine articles and press on the artist to sitting down in a meeting with uh reebok to strategize the design and development of 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 the new 50 cent g unit um, g6 shoe to you know uh, negotiating with a clothing line about doing some custom buster rhymes t-shirts to you know setting up flights for buster to get out to la to do jay leno while making sure 50 does his call into funkmaster flex on high 97 um all in between you know calling getting getting 50 on the phone with with winky to wish him luck for his fight, to making right. sure that um, that Missy Elliott's marketing campaign uh, is up and running and her, her marketing strategy is written out well and that the record label has approved it, to making sure that Buster's budget for his new video shoot is squared away. Well, and everything all in between. in one day or in two days? It's going to happen in two hours, if you want me to be <laughs> honest with you. Right, right. <laughs> hold on one second, hold on. Yeah. Avi, what's the matter? Yes, I need it for tonight's fight. No, I need it. I need it back then. I need it back for the fight tonight. You fucking me up. And tell him to come get the, come get the, come get. The, okay. All right. So yeah, I need it back. I need it back. Sorry about that. No problem. Um. So that could be in one hour. Wow. So um, as, yeah. Yeah. So as SVP of marketing, right? I mean, would, would is your goal to to really get the artist more exposure, more business opportunities? 
you know, um, uh, or, or just align them, you know, with the rollout of, for example, their new single. I mean, what would you say? It, it ha it's it's all encompassing. The foundation is the music side of things. It's about right. making sure that their music is, is is solidified and the rollout of their of their single and right. their image and their album is done properly. Because at the end of the day, that is the foundation. Fifty Cent sold fourteen million records his first time out, which opened up the opportunities for all the endorsements. But at right. the end of the day, he was you know he had the second best selling album of that year right behind uh, who had the first best album of that year the second one The Massacre was the second best selling album right behind Mariah Carey uh, a year and a half later but you know realistically it's about the music first and then it's everything else like we're involved in vitamin water we're involved in Reebok we do all the marketing for, for G-Unit clothing because it's all an image you know it's based on a certain image so who better to protect market and promote that image but the people who created the image right. so when it comes to ancillary opportunities when it comes to outside business endeavors it makes more sense to have the people that understand it from the beginning be the ones to carry it on and keep right. it moving into the, in, into the public marketplace that's where the disconnect comes in when you go ahead and you create this image and then you know you sign a certain deal and they don't understand who you really were and they're trying to create something else the consumer sees right through that that's transparent right you know right. it has to be consistent a consistent cohesive message will always outlast a quick glance right right and give give everybody a little background on how you got into this business how I got into the music business yeah, into the music business I, I've done a little reading on you uh, but maybe for, for people who may not know, how did you break into this particular business? Um, well, really, I I started as an athlete. Um, right, you were a big baseball player, yeah, right? Yeah, man. Baseball, I, that was my, my first love. What happened um, with baseball? I hurt my knees, got hurt, blew out my right knee, blew out my left knee, then blew out my right knee again, which was God's way of telling me, hey, kid, right. this baseball thing ain't for you. A Yankee um, Met fan or what? Oh, Yankee fan from day uh, one. My, all my, right, no doubt. We grew up, you know, in, in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and right, we right. lived in 330 Dumont Avenue, and, and Mickey, Willie Randolph, right, lived right. in 360. You know, oh, wow. I mean, I have a photo of him holding me with his first Pirates contract. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he was a close family friend, so of course, you know, you're a Yankee fan right, uh, right. growing up. Uh, and at that time, you know, watching Reggie hit the three home runs, you know what I mean, and, right, right, and, right. and seeing what you know the Yankees were about, you know, you know Thurman Munson, rest in peace, is very emotional yep. time growing up being a Yankee fan, but still a Yankee fan to this day. We work very closely with Robinson Cano. We work with Melky. Um, Gary Sheffield was in my office for two hours yesterday. We'll actually be together tonight at the at the fight. Um, uh, the Hammerstein. So, you know, we, we, we're still, you know, that's my, you know, truly my first love. But being an athlete really taught me teamwork, taught me team camaraderie, taught me that, you know, you might, you think you're a big fish in a small pond. When you get into an open lake, you know, you're a little fish in a big lake. Yeah. So I understand what your role is. Um, getting hurt really changed, really changed my outlook on life. And I had to find something to do. And luckily, my cousin was working at Polygram at the time. And she decided to, you know, offer me up an internship. Cause I always loved music. A lot of people don't know, but in our neighborhood of Star City, where I grew up, we had this group called Mustang and Bones. They did a song called Dangerous on the Dance Floor. Okay. And I always wanted to, you know, be a part of the crew in some way. And I actually performed at Sprats on the Water as a dancer for them and actually at Emerald City as well. Oh, wait, was that a freestyle group or? No, it's a, it's a, it's a hip house. 
Oh, Hip House. Hip House. I know a girl by the name of Rita. Life in Puerto Rican, I call me that. It's one of those Hip House records. All right. I probably heard it, yeah. The house was big back in the day. Still is big. Even when I was young, you know what I mean? When when Menudo was looking for an English-speaking singer, I tried out for Menudo. You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt. I always wanted to be in, in, in the entertainment business somehow. So she offered me an internship. I took that. Three months after the inter- when the internship was over, you know, there was 160-something interns. There was one job, and they gave it to Jana Fleischman, who happens to be the vice president of um, uh, uh, publicity. Right. So, at Def Jam, I'm sorry, at Def Jam. So, you know, Jana got the job, and then, you know, Larry Stessel and Ed Eckstein. Ed Eckstein was actually the first black president of a major record label. So, Ed Eckstein said, no, there's something about this kid. I really want him to stick around. So, they created a job for me. They made me an assistant. Excellent. So I was an assistant in the retail department working urban as well as um, pop rock mainstream records. So I worked everything from Vanessa Williams to Brian McKnight to to, uh, Black Sheep as well as Mighty Mighty Boston's Bon Jovi, Def Leppard. So I really got a lot of different influences early on in my career, which is good because I grew up and my mom was a big Sasa fan, a big disco fan, but she also listened to Toto in Chicago. And, you know, we had ACDC records. We had Queen's Greatest Hits growing up. So I was influenced by a lot of different types of music. After um, Mercury... I was a national in a national position. I had to go into a smaller position. Um, the smaller position was to be a regional person, so I could really I, learn a market well. I got you, and I can master what I did. So I went to Universal Distribution. There, I was working Black Street, Tupac, rest in peace. Um, I worked everybody on on the on the, on MCA, which included you know at that time Mary J. Blige, the Uptown label. You know what I mean? So I, I was very you know Interscope was just starting out. So I was very lucky to, to be a part of that from the beginning. But, the, you know, Universal also had RMM Records, Ralph McGowan Records. So I was able to work Mark Anthony and in La India uh, while, while I was working Blackstreet and Tupac and New Edition. First set of music. Um, so that was great. And watching Mark Anthony and in La India, who were freestyle artists, Right, you know, transition into you know, you know, Latin singing artists, Spanish singing artists was great for me. So I did that for a while. At, you know, during that time, I was working with Reebok so much, and Reebok was really making an investment in the urban marketplace. They were signing Allen Iverson at the time. I sat in the actual meeting when they signed Allen um, as a as a um, as an observer. I wasn't even at Reebok yet, and uh, they brought me in, and I was the regional marketing manager of Reebok for a minute. Uh, after that, I, 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 three or four months into that, I was the global music entertainment marketing manager for Reebok. Um, and I was doing all the music marketing across the world. Right. During all this time, I had shared a great relationship with, with probably one of the most talented entertainers I know, Sean Puffy Combs. Right. Um, and Puffy actually decided to, to, to bring me back into the music business. I always had that itch. I always wanted to get back in. Like I said, baseball was my first love, but music was right up there. And um, Puffy said, you know what, you really want to be back in the music business, come work for me. So, you know, lo and behold, I took, I took the position at Bad Boy. I was doing the, um, I was working mix show promotion. The head of marketing quit. Puffy said, you run promotion, you either sink or swim in this world. And he said, you know, you're either going to sink with this or you're going to swim. I decided, I said, fuck it, I'm going to do the backstroke. And, you know, I was with Puffy for a while. And then I, we, the company had grown so much and had gone in a different direction that Puffy and I were sitting down one day. I had so many different offers that everybody was trying to get me. Because I didn't, you know, I had a contract with Puffy and all that, but it was like, okay, where are we going from here? And, you know, it was like 
Bad Boy was transitioning into other things, and I was still my momentum of being, you know, a promotion then. And what happened was I got an offer from RCA, I had an offer from Epic, I had another offer from another label, which I won't mention. And um, I sat with Puffy and I said, hey, you know, I, I got these options, I don't know what to do. He said, well, tell me your options. And um, I laid it all out to him. And the last option, the fourth one, was Violator Management. No doubt. That was my man James Cruz of Violator Management, manager of 50 Cent, Buster Rhymes, and many more. Stay tuned next week for part two of that interview, man. James tells you all about his decisions between those four options he just mentioned. And you'll hear a lot more coming up next week, including some up-and-coming acts, some up-and-coming projects that James is going to announce. So be sure to tune in next week, baby, so you can hear part two of that interview. Big up, James Cruz. Thanks to Erica and everybody at Violator for making this happen. One.